A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Now a man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was ill. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and you want to go back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. He said this, and then told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus talking was talking about his death, while they thought he was meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them, Clearly, Lazarus has died, and I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly, saying, The teacher is here and is asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. For Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews were with her in the house comforting her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? 
So they took away the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, Untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Our readings this weekend for Holy Mass are readings that call to mind the reality and the certainty of the resurrection. We get this especially in our first reading, which unfortunately comes in an abbreviated form. And so I want to go back and read uh, the fuller version of the book of the prophet Ezekiel in the 37th chapter, titled The Valley of Dry Bones, of which the conclusion of which um, we read for our first reading today. So as Ezekiel 37 says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and sent me down in the midst of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me round among them, and behold, there were very many upon the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied there was a noise. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And as I looked, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no spirit in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the Spirit, prophesy, Son of Man, and say to the Spirit, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O Spirit, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the Spirit came unto them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great host. Then he said to me, Son of Man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you home into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, says the Lord. So in the reading from uh, Ezekiel, we hear that he, you know, in the spirit he's led in, in, in this valley of bones, he describes it as very dry bones. Very dry, meaning that, that, that life has long since passed from them. That there's, uh, there's not even a, a seeming hope uh, of resurrection. It's just total lifelessness, total hopelessness. And in that place, the Lord God says, prophesy 
and we'll raise up the bones. We'll raise up the people. In Ezekiel's day, it was understood that that certainly was a a recognition that the Lord God was prophesying that the people of Israel who had been who had been scattered in exile, who had been sent out to the foreign lands, and all hope of their nation seemed completely lost, dry bones, very dry bones, total hopelessness. And the Lord God comes to prophesy that life will happen again, life will come again, that new life will be breathed into them, and it will be raised up, a new people of God. Also, the people of the day understood this in very physical ways, and this is why we start to see in the Jewish people a belief and understanding of the resurrection of the body, that God can even raise up the flesh from those who have died, even from very dry bones. And so we see our first reading today is is kind of priming us to recognize that God wants to come to us in moments of hopelessness to be able to, to instill within us the virtue of hope and to be able ultimately to bring about resurrection. We see the promise of this also mentioned by St. Paul in his letter to the Romans, which we read was our second reading, talking about how the Lord has given us his spirit, that the spirit um, is promised to us, that, it, that indeed the spirit of God who raised up Jesus from the dead is in us as well by virtue of our baptism. And it's that same spirit that raised up those very dry bones in the Old Testament in Ezekiel that comes and remains in us. That same spirit. And this is the consolation that we have. That God continues to raise up. In the gospel, we read that familiar story of the raising of Lazarus. There too, we see a, a continuation of this call for us to place our hope in the Lord, mindful especially of resurrection, of new life being breathed in. Lazarus has died, and the Lord knows it. His two sisters, Mary and Martha, send word to the Lord. It's, it's fascinating the, the way in which they say it. They don't say, you know, he's sick, come help him. He's sick, come heal him. He's sick, come do anything. They, they just send a message that says, Lord, the one whom you love is ill, period. In that alone, we recognize their immense faith in Jesus. We recognize that the immense love that they knew was abiding in the heart of Christ for Lazarus. They didn't have to say, we need your help, or please come help him, or come, come be with us. They didn't have to give directives or, or, or invocations or these kind of things, uh, directives of what Jesus ought to do or what they hoped he would do necessarily. They knew that the love of God in the person of Christ was so immense that all they had to say was the one that you love is ill and that the Lord would take care of the rest, that he would respond because of the love in his heart. They trusted deeply in the love of God for their brother Lazarus. To simply send a word that Lazarus was ill was an immense act of faith. The great sign of their trust in the Lord. The word is received and Jesus ultimately says, okay, let's go back. And Thomas wisely points out, um, Jesus, they were just trying to kill you a few days ago. Are you sure about this? And Thomas pipes up and essentially says, then let us go die with him. 
Thomas is convinced that he's on on a mission to go die. That 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 Lazarus is dead. Jesus, they were trying to kill Jesus, and we're we're Jesus's followers. So, and we're going back to the same spot where they just tried to kill him. So, this is our lot. This is what we have. Let us go taste death. Interesting that Thomas is willing to go, and he's encouraging the others to come along with him. And so they go, willing to embrace death. But strikingly, they go, and they find a story of new life. They arrive at the place of the tomb, or at least nearby. They come, and the people are weeping. Mary is weeping. Martha is weeping. They come with these, these lamentations that their brother, Lazarus, has died. And they come with sort of a stinging word. Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Both a, a testament to their faith that Jesus could do something, but also a testament of their sorrow that Jesus waited. As we heard in the, in the, in the gospel, Jesus waited two days and then he came. If you had been here, our brother would not have died. And so much the cry of the human heart of, of in, in the face of suffering, in the face of sorrow, in the face of grief, in the face of hopelessness, so much the, the, the accusation is also a, an act of faith. If you had been here, our brother would not have died. It feels as if God is far from us. And yet we know that he's still working. This is what Martha and Mary say in so many words. We know that you are not here in one way, and yet we know that you can do things. We know that you can work these miracles. They come in a place of hopelessness. Jesus, of course, you know, invites them to bring them to the tomb. There he weeps, a sign of his love, if anybody had doubt. Uh, that, that Jesus really loved Lazarus, that he really um, loved the people in his midst. Um, he weeps. He weeps for sorrow. He weeps at the, at the death of Lazarus, but not in, in, in the same sense that we normally weep at the death of our family or our friends or those whom we know and love. Jesus weeps because he's experiencing in a very powerful way the reality of the consequences of sin and the reality of death, and just how much it wrecks the human heart, just how much it, it, it damages us and can be a place where we can turn away from the Lord. It can be a, a place where people lose faith rather than find it. And so our Lord weeps in the face of death, especially of one whom he loves. But he has certainty about what is to follow. He bids them open the tomb, and Martha, in her practical wisdom, says, Lord, it's been four days. There will be a stench. We might think of that as just kind of a, an eminently practical thing, but also recognize the spiritual reality that, that death is fully taking over Lazarus. That's what she's saying, that, that by now there will be a stench, is to say that, that death is well underway, very much like Ezekiel in the in the first reading, the, you know the, the the fuller passage of the dry bones, and the Lord asking, you know, can the dry bones be raised up? And Ezekiel's response is, Lord, you know, you know, kind of a, a great confusion. 
that even those dry bones might be able to be re-enlivened by the Lord God. And, and, and so very much to say that, Lord, there will be a stench is to recognize that, that death is well underway, that he's decomposing, that, that, that life is not here anymore, period. And yet the Lord invites her to trust. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they take away the stone. He bids him come out, and he comes out bound hand and foot. He bids him be untied and let go. The great spiritual writer, um, Reginald Garrigou Lagrange, um, noted that the, the greatest miracles that we experience are not the physical ones, but the spiritual ones. Oftentimes we can look at, at, at this raising up of Lazarus from the dead when there should be a stench, when there should be kind of the, the dry bones in a certain sense, and there's, when there's no hope left, that maybe he's asleep. When there's no hope left, the Lord God raises him up again in the flesh. But Father Garrigou Lagrange encourages us to remember that the greatest thing is spiritual resurrection. That God forgives us our sins. That he unties us, not just from physical bonds, but from spiritual ones. And this beautiful conclusion, as Jesus says, untie him and let him go. The physical bonds were not the serious part. It's the wages of sin and death that are the most tragic. It's the reality of sin that causes death. Untie him and let him go and very much a, is a way of, of, of showing mercy, of, of forgiveness of sins, of bringing life to the soul. And what a gift we have with this and reconciliation especially. As Catholics, we recognize that, that if we commit mortal sin, that if we, if we commit a sin that is so great that it separates us from the life of God, it separates from God himself, it separates us from life itself, and our soul is dead, is dry bones, our soul has a stench. We've been dead for four days or sometimes four decades. That we go to reconciliation. We come to our Lord in confession. We admit our sins and the Lord raises up our soul, unties us from our sin, and lets us go in peace. The scriptures today are a great encouragement to us to have hope, both physically, but even more so spiritually. Every one of us who has been baptized has received the Spirit of God that is able to raise up dry bones, that is able to raise up people from the dead, and is able to raise up our dead souls to souls of fullness of life. Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, hopelessness can become hope. Total death can become renewed life. In the face of so much of the, the things going on with the coronavirus and, and isolation and work changes and all of this kind of stuff, um, 
I'm hearing from a lot of people, you know, both both personally as well as, as online, just the how disruptive it can be. Now, indeed, there are many people who are kind of going about relatively normal, either because they were homeschooling already and maybe having the kids at home was not a change, um, that they you know, the, their work is not primarily affected so much by by the, the the things going on of you know layoffs or you know or, or you know special instances as, as far as the working world or just their ordinary life they were kind of kept to themselves and didn't go out a bunch on the town you know so I mean there are certainly people who you know the the coronavirus you're reading about it on the news and you can you may know hear people but you know in, in so many ways may not be a practical. Um, very much a practical change, but for many it is. Um, for many, I'd say probably most, it's an opportunity for us to press deeper into the heart of God um, because we have our regular daily routines are thrown off, our work life is thrown off, our home life is thrown off. We, the the normal stuff um, of our daily journey is is so easily... Um, mixed up in this time, that our prayer life may be taking some serious hits. I know a, a number of people lamenting the reality of not being able to to have masses, not being able to make it to mass, not having the availability of, of Eucharistic adoration, and being able to gather in community. All of these are things that are difficult for us. Um, they're trying for us, and, and I would put myself in that number. Um, I'm still offering mass every day, but it's not the same without my community, without my spiritual family around to be able to pray with, to pray for. Um, it's different. And it's not a good different. And so in the midst of, of all this, you know, we add on top of it the reality of the virus itself. That at this point, as it continues to spread... Um, especially here in Louisiana, um, the people are starting to know family members who have it or friends who have it or, um, you know, just the, the fear of, of it increasing and possibly coming into our own homes. What does that mean? And we're facing our own, our own illness, our own mortality in so many ways. So much confusion of the heart can take place. And as we see numbers piling up and up and up and up and up exponentially as cases case numbers increase and 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 the number of people who have who have died from the disease continue to increase, it can be a, a sort of wondering of very much in the same words of you know Martha and Mary, Lord, it, it, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And so much the same, you know, we can crowd and you know, is the Lord with us? Much like um, I hope you all had the opportunity to listen to our Holy Father Pope Francis. Uh, on Friday, at the holy hour, when he gave um, when he gave a, a homily or a reflection on this, like the disciples in the boat, when everything was rocky and 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 going crazy, and they were their response was Jesus, do, do you not care that we're drowning? In so many ways, that that's the cry of so many hearts, maybe not yours, but certainly many, who are wondering, Lord, if you had been here, where 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 is the Lord in all of this? Where is where is God? The Lord is in our midst, and not just somewhere kind of hovering around town. He dwells in our hearts. He dwells in our soul by virtue of the gift of baptism. 
We've been made children of God and heirs to the kingdom of heaven. And our Lord is not deaf to our cry. Indeed, in so many ways, you know, we've got a variety of prayers that are being lifted up in intercessory prayers and all of this. And the simple fact is that, that our response in so many ways could, could be to the Lord to simply utter the words that, that the Lord first received through um, the messenger from Martha and Mary. The, the, the ones whom you love are, are sick. Lord, they're sick. And just to utter those words is, is to know that our Lord and his love for us, because he loves us the same as he loved Lazarus, will come to us. He may wait a couple of days. And we don't necessarily understand why things happen the way they do and how it unfolds and all this kind of stuff. Again, so much uncertainty. But what we can be certain of in the midst of everything else around us is the fact that we have a reason to hope. We have Christ Jesus who loves us immensely who has given us his spirit, who continues to listen to our pleas, who continues to stand, to stand before the Father in heaven and to plead for us, to plead on our behalf, to, to, to beg mercy, to beg grace, to beg peace upon us. He is our hope. And this is our most important thing, is to be a people of hope. Because if we give way to the, the reality of the world around us and, and, and fall into to simple panic or, or just sheer negativity or uh, a sense of hopelessness, then we do nothing to be able to build up the world around us. We do nothing to be able to, to, to allow our hearts to be lifted up to Christ and to, to bring others to be lifted up to Christ, to be the leaven of the world, to be the light, to be the salt, all these things that the Lord calls us to be for the world around us. We have to be that for ourselves first, to be that for our family, to be that for our community, those that we're in touch with, maybe our workplace or whatever, um, to be that in the internet, to be a people of hope in the internet. It's so encouraging to see so many people lifting up prayers and whether it's, you know, I know certainly some priests are offering masses, you know, via the internet, but I see also a lot of people just picking up and doing live rosaries with friends or Divine Mercy chaplets with friends or station, stations with friends. Inviting people to come to pray, you know, posting prayers in so many places. This is, y'all, this, this is our time to shine um, and to let the world know that, that we have reason to hope. That all is not lost. That even in the midst of great, great darkness, even when things seem to be very dry bones, Christ does not forget us. And Christ can still give us his grace. And so I invite you to, to join with me as, um, as so many are unable to receive Holy Communion today. I would like to be able to, to pray with you an act of spiritual communion. It's a little longer than some of the regular ones that we see. But it's an opportunity to recognize that, that God is dwelling in us. That the Spirit of God is at work in us. And, and just because we can't get to the sacraments doesn't mean that the grace of God can't reach us because God is with us even if we don't um, even if we don't have him in the same manner in which we normally do in the midst of sacramental communion we can most certainly have him in spiritual communion and so I'd like you to join with me in, in praying this act of spiritual communion a prayer asking the Lord Jesus to come and to bring 
life to your soul, to your body, to your family, um, to everything that you touch, to be able to, to be an instrument of, of his hope. And so let us pray. Oh Jesus, thou hast given us the Holy Eucharist, thy body and blood, to be our spiritual nourishment, through which we may have life everlasting. Would that I were now prepared to approach the Holy Table, to be united with thee in the Blessed Sacrament. I desire with all my heart to receive this living bread which came down from heaven. O Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof. Say but the word, and my soul shall be healed. Let me taste at least the sweetness of a spiritual communion. Come to me, Jesus, my Lord, my Master. Come and refresh my soul. Strengthen me that in union with thee I may do perfectly the heavenly Father's will. Let me never be separated from thee by sin. Keep me in thy grace and thy love. I will not be lured away from thee by the deceitful honors and pleasures of the world. I love thee above all things and with my whole heart. Thou art the God of my heart and the God that is my portion forever. Increase my faith, strengthen my hope, kindle my love, that I may die to self and live but for thee.